God created us to have a relationship with him. We have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. God does not ask us to try to find our own way to him. He does not require that we invent something new. It is not the government's responsibility to find that way. Amen. It is not a cultural responsibility. Jesus took that responsibility on himself. He said these words in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus said in John 14 in verse number one, you believe in God, believe also in me. Okay? If we want to have a relationship with, with God, we have to believe in God and we have to believe in Jesus Christ. He is, he is the way to God. But how do we walk with God? How do we have a relationship with him? With the advent of the internet, we could research spiritual practices and we could potentially borrow ideas from many different people, many different teachers. And we could kind of concoct our own belief system. God does not want us to do that. He has given us a precise way, a way that all of us can follow to connect with him. So we're going to talk for a few minutes today, once again, about walking with God. And we're going to use Colossians 3 and verse 16. Let's back up and read verse 15, 16, and 17. Ready? It says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to worship you today in singing and worship you now through the listening of the preaching of your word. Help me as I preach. Forgive me of sin, depending upon self. Lord, I pray that you would use me, guide the words, speak directly to people's hearts. Lord, I pray that you would help us to grow in our walk with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God says in Psalm 46 and verse number 10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Jesus in Mark 1 and verse number 35, it speaks of Jesus when it says, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. In the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke 22 and verse number 39, it says, And he came out and went as he was wont, W-O-N-T, as in this was his habit, to the Mount of Olives, 
and his disciples also followed him. We can see that God, through the example of Christ and through several other scriptures, teaches us, number one, if we're going to have a relationship with God, we must get quiet. We talked about this last week a bit. This is just a quick review. We must get quiet. We must, in order to have a quiet time, we must have the quiet. Okay, you say, well, I have kids. I have kids too. Well, I have a dog. I have a dog too. I have neighbors. We all have neighbors, most of, most of us, right? And it's like, there's a, lot, there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of busyness, okay? And if we want God to speak to us and we want to speak to him and we want to have that connection, we need to get quiet. If you really want to have a good relationship with your spouse, it's really nice to get quiet, right? For you to spend that time one with another, talking and listening and having that connection, that communication, right? For me to really listen to my wife, deeply listen looking into her eyes. Are we listening? I can't be sitting there and be constantly distracted, playing on my phone, have one earbud in, and with the other ear, I'm trying to listen to my wife. Does that work, fellas? Does that work, ladies? Husbands are probably more guilty of that than wives are. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Right? Listening to her, she's sitting next to me on the sofa, she's chatting away, and I'm watching my favorite TV program. Are you even listening to me? And rightfully so. Right? We need to get quiet. Sometimes I think God says, hey, are you even listening to me? Can you hear me? God doesn't shout. God doesn't shout. He doesn't scream. He talks quietly. Ever had somebody who talked quiet? Friend? Speak up. I cannot hear you. Do you need to get your ears checked? I know that's a rude thing to say, right? But you say that sometimes to people you really care about. Do you, do you, do you have a little buildup going on? Do you know how like loud you are or how quiet you are? Can you, you know, and uh, we, we need to understand that if we're going to hear God's voice, we have to make sure that we, we section off some time. We're not busy. We're not rushed. We're not agitated, right? Um, I, me personally, just share a personal detail of my life. We, I, I have quiet time every single day, um, but every once in a while, every two weeks, sometimes once a week, um, not usually more than that because it takes time. I like to go out to some, some place where there's a little bit of natural, natural beauty, like out in the woods somewhere, a little bit of ways, and, you know, you, we'd love to, like, drive three hours away up to the Bruce Peninsula and sit there. And look, but that's not practical. You can't do that every single week, right? So, you know, uh, these green spaces in Toronto, it's a wonderful place to be able to find a little, a little spot. If you can. This is just my thing, right? And oftentimes I'll bring a little Bible with me and I'll just literally walk with God. Like, I'll literally walk through the woods and then here comes the... Uh, here comes the, the people and I'll just kind of, you know, let them pass and then on I go. But trying to find that, 
that quiet space. For you, the natural thing may not work, right? And that's fine. We're all wired a little differently. We always have, we all have something um, that, that helps with us. Sometimes I'll put on those big noise canceling headphones, right? And just have just instrumental music, Christian instrumental music playing in the background, the guitar music that we often play here in church, you know, to, to soothe all of you crazy people down, right? Uh, no, just kidding. But uh, yeah, I'll just have that. I'll just have that playing. And, it, and it's an opportunity for me to reflect on the music and then reflect on God's word. And when we're reading his word, again, quiet, still. I read six chapters yesterday. Yeah, but what'd you read? Um, where'd you read? Um, did God speak to you? Um, right? It's better to read five verses slowly and God actually speaks to your heart than for you to read five chapters and not remember anything. Okay? So if in your mind there's some little voice telling you, you've got to read six chapters a day or you're a bad Christian. Where's the verse that says that? That's not a verse. Is that a verse? That's not a verse. Right? But it does say be still. Okay? And by the way, does it say be still every day? It doesn't actually say that. Should we be still every day? It's a good practice. Right? <laughs> we have to make sure we have a biblical faith. We have to make sure we're not beating ourselves up because if you guys ever tried to tried something new and you're doing really good for a couple of weeks and then all of a sudden you, you know, got busy and things are tough and and oh, I just can't do it. I have to do it exactly the same every single day or it doesn't count. Says who? God is not interested in making you feel overwhelmingly guilty. Okay? Come on now. Is that true or not? That's true. We need to understand that there is going to be some ups and downs in our walk with God. Some days it's going to be amazing. Some days you're, you're not going to want to leave. It's so real. It's so fresh. It's so awesome. Okay? It just seems like everything is incredible. God is so close. You hear him. He hears you. But life gets busy. Things are difficult. We have flesh. And some other days, it's like, I'm, I'm getting quiet. I'm taking the moment to read. But the connection was a little slow. That's okay. We're going to try again tomorrow. The just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. Amen. That's what scripture says. Okay, progress, not perfection. Everybody say that with me. Ready? Progress, not perfection. One more time. Progress, not perfection. Okay. Um, walk, going on a walk with a toddler. Oh man. A half an hour and you get to the wall and come back. Right? But with an adult who's walked a lot and they're, they're healthy and they're, they can walk quickly. You can cover a lot of ground. Man, you've got those walkers in Toronto. Oh my word. People that are like, you know, TTC lifers. Those people have been around the TTC forever and they know where everything is in the city. If, look, if somebody's walking around downtown like this, 
You don't want to be behind them. It takes forever. Hey, what do you want? It's right there. Pick your head up. Right? Man, some people in Toronto, they're fast. They're walking, they're ripping. I mean, I've got long legs. Right? And I'm walking. I think I know where I'm going. Man, here's this little five-foot-nothing girl that just... She's walking, and I'm like, how can you walk that fast? Right? We need to understand that walking with God is going to be a little different from person to person. So we're not going to compare ourselves among ourselves. Well, I heard one time that somebody did this and I can't do that. So I'm just not going to try. Uh, Here's a question. Should we try to understand every single word that the Bible says? Is that what it means to walk with God? Guys, can we be honest? Is the Bible easy to understand? Not necessarily. Now, some parts are super easy, right? Some parts are a little difficult. Don't get tripped up on that, okay? Read it. Don't expect that if you miss one little piece, okay? Oh, I'm just gonna quit. I don't understand that. Keep reading. Or maybe you come back and read it again. Maybe some of you are in the stage of your Christian walk where you need to start getting some some, uh, study resources, We had a conversation this morning about a study Bible. Oh, but that sounds so... Yeah, it is. It's good stuff. It helps you understand what's going on. It's how you connect with the Lord. Okay, but don't don't get upset and don't quit. If you read a little bit and you read for three days, pick another spot. (laughs) Okay, typically people don't start from the beginning and read straight through. It's not that kind of book. Right? You can, but you don't have to. Start reading in John, right? Read Psalms, read Proverbs, okay? Stuff like that. Ask some of these more mature Christians hey, I've been reading in my Bible, this is confusing. And ask them. That's why we, that's why we meet with each other. Get quiet, okay? What are we getting quiet for? We're getting quiet, number one, for scripture saturation. Well, te- Technically, number one is get quiet. Number two, scripture saturation. Excuse me, we talked about that last week. Let's look at our verse, Colossians 3, 16. We're gonna focus on the last half of the verse today. The first part says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, okay? The Bible never says, read the Bible every day. It doesn't actually say that. Many cultures for many hundreds of years we're not literate, right? Few people could read the Bible, but many people could memorize something. So the idea of letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly was the idea that you knew God's word, whether it was through reading or through memorization, and you took the time to really think about it, okay? And you were familiar with it, and it informed your spirit and your decisions, and you thought about each word, and you were... Like, like, your, like your mom told you when you were a little kid, slow down, chew slowly, right? Little boys, man, they're just... And then everything, they're gulping, they're gulping, they're gulping. Chew one, two, three, and then gulp. What happens? Well, I mean, you get it. My chest hurts. Well, it's because you haven't chewed anything. You're gulping it down, right? So biblical meditation is... 
or taking the time to really let the words roll around in our minds, we're taking the time to really think about them, we're letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly. It's not just quickly in, quickly out. Okay? It's not a, um, I was, I'm reading this incredible book right now called uh, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. It's a very famous book. It's written in 2014. Nabil Qureshi is the guy's name. You can find it on Amazon. Um, he was a very devout Muslim, grew up, his parents Pakistani, uh, ended up moving to the United States. And he was confronted with the gospel when he was in college and through a, a long process of digging very, very deep into both religions, Christianity and Islam, came to the conclusion, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the Messiah, and he is to be trusted as the only God. And so that is a record of his journey. But he talks about how in Islam, they, they memorize many passages of the Quran, and that is one way that they worship, is through the audible recitation. They recite together and also alone these passages. But he, he makes mention in his book, very specifically, it is not necessary for them to understand what they're saying. It's not necessary for them to completely understand what they're saying and, if, and, and even understand it all. It is almost as if the words themselves hold some kind of spiritual power and just the words rolling off their tongue is enough to please Allah. Okay, but we, as we talked about in the earlier session, God wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay, in body and in spirit. He wants us to know his word and to understand it and not just to memorize words and for us to just have them in there but not to really think about them. He wants his words to begin to affect us and to change us and to make us more rigid in some areas and to make us more soft in other areas. Okay, God's word is what does that. So we're talking about scripture saturation. It is, not a, it is not a bad idea for us to read the same chapter. One day, the next day, read the same one. The next day, read the same chapter for seven days. If you've never tried that, man, you should try it. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable when you do that. You understand it. It begins to be a part of your... You'll be thinking about it later in the day. Scripture, saturation. Let's look at this last half of this, of this verse. Okay, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And now it gets into one of the more controversial things in Christianity. Music. Specifically here, it's talking about the lyrics. Okay, We're just going to let the word of God speak for itself. Okay, you want to know the music policy for Sparrow Baptist Church? Other verses as well, but this is where our music policy comes from. Okay, there are other principles and there are other verses that we that we do use and will use. But if we're going to look at what kind of music should a Christian listen to, what kind of church, what kind of music should a church 
use and listen to. First of all, as we can see, it's one sentence in verse 16. Is that true? Is it one sentence? Okay, it starts let, that's the first part, and the, and the period comes in the very last word. So these ideas do not conflict. They go straight together, all right? So if I'm gonna have a relationship with the Lord, and let's be honest, if we're gonna be a church that has a relationship with the Lord, if we're gonna be a church where God wants to come and dwell among us, his presence is known and felt. Amen. Come on now. Is that true? Do we want that? Amen. Do we just want to become a dry, cold, dead church where all we do is just come and recite and we have our rules and we just march to our rules and everything's fine and don't mess with our rules? No, look, friend, Jesus came so that we could know him, Amen. so that we could have abundant life. And every, and every feeling that I have is not God talking to me and I had a tingle in my right hand so I should turn right. It's not, no, we're not getting crazy. We're not getting super crazy, but neither are we getting, and we'll get to this in just a moment, neither do we believe in a relationship with God that is, it's all rules and there's no spiritual relationship whatsoever. The Holy Spirit dwelling within us as believers makes our relationship with God real. Amen. Okay? That is what, when I read God's word, it speaks to me deeply. Right? That's why I can read the Bible and it speaks to me the way another book cannot. Is God's word. The Holy Spirit breathed book. Is that right? I've got the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of me. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are a child of God, but the Holy Spirit also bears witness with his word that this is the word of God. Amen. And he bears witness with my spirit that this is the word of God. And that's not taking that verse out of context. So music needs to be biblical. Worship music needs to be biblical. If I'm going to worship God, it needs to be using words and lyrics that are not in opposition with what he has written here. Is that true? Okay, that's a very, very basic thing. Hey, there's a lot, there's a lot of songs and a lot of music out there. We're listening? That when, a, that when a Christian fills their mind and spirit and heart with it, wow, and man, does it make it difficult to come back and read the Bible and hear God's voice. Is that true? Amen. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about the word spirit is, is air, like it's breath, right? That's, if you're just going to look at the actual definition, whether it's talking about spirit or things of the spirit, even the word Holy Spirit. Now we know that's a person. It's not a feeling and it's not the wind itself. All right. But it's breath, it's, it's air, it's right? That's kind of the, the idea of spirit. And if we think just for a moment about air, right? Or gases, right? It's like you have oxygen, which is very useful and very helpful. Whether you're climbing Mount Everest and you need oxygen so that you can continue to live and breathe. I remember um, when, we were, when we lived in Nepal, our house did not have heat in the house. None of the houses have heat. 
but it gets cold there. Usually, like in the wintertime in Kathmandu, it's about 10 degrees or so, maybe a little bit lower than that, sometimes a little bit higher than that. But basically, whatever the temperature is outside, that's the same temperature inside. And oftentimes inside, it's a bit colder because it's a concrete house. So we got uh, these propane heaters, okay, like a big, large uh, propane heater, and it would blow that hot air into our room. But you have to keep it well ventilated because of the fumes. We were new, and we thought that we had kept it ventilated well enough. And it does have a, you can smell it, it has a funny smell to it. But we were cold, and we thought, we're going to try to keep more of the heat in, because it's escaping through this open door. So we kind of closed the door a little too much. And shortly thereafter, April was sick to her stomach in in the washroom, just throwing up She was so bad sick. I had the worst headache you can imagine. My head was just absolutely throbbing. What was wrong? What was wrong with that room? It was our bedroom. And it was cold and we were were under those big quilts, like, you know, keeping warm and watching a little show on the laptop or whatever. It was the air. The gases in the air were poisonous. Eh? We are we together on this? Mm-hmm. Guys, we have to understand that there is there is in a sense there is there is singing and songs that are poisonous to the spiritual life. And there are singing and there are songs that breathe life and health into your spiritual walk with Christ. Right. And you cannot you cannot, my friends. You cannot sit there and all week, <sighs> breathe poison, and then come to church and enjoy church music. Why? Because poison's in here. Poison's in here. There, there, there's so much of this world's music. All it does is glorify the, the most vile, with the most vile language human beings can come. Honestly, the lines are like, there's no lines anymore. I mean, the most, oh my word, like if you said that around my kid, I'd be, a, I'd be a, we would leave. Matter of fact, the other day at a restaurant, we had to leave because this guy was just insane. He was just maybe a little tipsy and just no filter whatsoever. How can I sit there and listen to word after word after word after word after word after word? We're just talking about lyrics right now. We're not even going to get into music stuff. We're just talking about lyrics. How can I sit there and breathe poison and then go, and I've got quiet time. I'm quiet, but I can't hear him. How can the life-giving oxygen, so to speak, by illustration, of the word of God and the Holy Spirit break through the poison, the poisonous spirit that we have been putting into our minds and hearts. I just don't feel God. I don't have any hope. I don't have any joy. I have a question. Are you, are you getting quiet and soaking in songs of joy and hope? People want to talk about today that like drugs, physical drugs, like it's fine. You can do that. It won't affect you. 
Then you go and talk to, I don't even know the right medical term, the people that take the scans of the brain. What are those people, what are they called? You guys know what I'm talking about? Man, you look at those pictures and it's like, man, half the brain's chewed away if someone's been on it for a bit. Is that true? Am I talking the truth right now? 100%. It does change us. Guys, if I'm sitting there and I'm saturating myself in something that's not from God, Pastor, are you saying we can only listen to Christian music? This is just my opinion. Okay, so take this as my opinion. You understand this is an opinion piece. An op-ed, we're going to go. Again, if you can listen to that music and you can come back into the presence of the Lord and the presence not change, you can still come in. Jazz, maybe. I'm just, I'm just, this isn't Bible. This is just my classical music, some other types, whatever. But if I'm sitting there and it's like, man, that is poison to my walk with God. I can, I cannot, I cannot connect. I can't get an answer to prayer. I don't enjoy scripture. Why would I do that? Why would I do that? It's no wonder we have trouble finding purpose in life and peace and joy and hope. We're trying to live in a room where it's being pumped full of poison. And man, I feel so nauseous and I've got to go and, and empty my stomach. And man, I've got such a spiritual, man, I've got a wicked headache going on. But we won't open the door. We won't turn off the heater. We won't find other means. Do we see that? It's got to agree, guys. What we, what we fill up with throughout the week cannot be in conflict. Cannot be in conflict. Cannot be in conflict. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Notice something else that good music does in our walk with God. Teaching and admonishing. The word teaching is impart instruction. It teaches me. By the way, all music does. All music does teach. Lyrics are teaching. Okay. Well, I, I just don't understand why my kids don't want to do right. What kind of music are they listening to? If the music is instructing them on how to be sensual, come on now, hello. Man, some of the most vile, awful, wicked music is talking about how you look at girls a certain way. And it uses the most terrible. Honestly, if you were to, if you were to call a girl to, that to her face, she would probably slap you and she probably should. Hello. And we're sitting there, got our headphones, and we're, you know, thinking we're all bad. Man, church just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. And it's just kind of dead. No, you're kind of dead. Hello. This has never been dead. You can't talk about the Son of God who got into a grave and came out of the grave three days later and showed himself alive for over 40 days to over 500 people and call what he is teaching us and his spirit dead. It's not dead. We're dead. We choose to be, we, listen, we choose to sit and soak in a, in, in a lifestyle that depicts far more the demoniac of Gadara who dwells among the tombs and self-harm and chains, cutting himself and living in tombs. It's that kind of lifestyle. And Mary Magdalene.
Jacqueline who had seven demons and she was a prostitute. But my friend, she got saved and her life was changed. And Jesus rose from the dead and he was the very first person that he came and talked to. It was the person that had seven demons inside of her and it was a prostitute and had no hope and lived a life of death. And yes, she felt things, but the thing she felt was death. The thing she felt was relieving herself in the corner because she because what she was ingesting was so poisonous. How can we sit there and drink poison and complain that we don't feel life? It is not possible. There is nothing more exciting than living your life for Jesus. You try to live by faith. You start learning that God loves you. You start, you start growing. I mean, I'll never forget, man, when I, I grew up in church and I, and I knew all the things. But I started getting serious about it when I turned 19, maybe 20. And I started seeing, man, the, what the world says they have to offer is so empty. I never jumped off deep into the sin pool, but just the, just the little things. Clothes and music and, and you, the more, listen, there's nothing more frustrating that the more you eat, the more hungry you feel. You talk about empty calories. All this world has to offer is empty calories. Go, listen, going out there and being sexually adventurous compares nothing to having a genuine, loving relationship with your spouse. Doesn't even compare. It doesn't even compare. And I started reading my Bible. I'd get up early, which for me, I mean, my parents were like, they couldn't believe it. Like, it was a miracle. And it started getting so real. I was so hungry for something real. And I remember reading, and then I remember, man, the tears started slipping down my cheeks. Because it was more real than anything. It was more real than the things you could see. It was more real than things you could touch. You started, you started just kind of venturing out a little bit and saying, I'm going to try. I'm going to try not to say a prayer. I'm going to actually try to pray. Meaning I'm going to actually try to see if, if God will actually answer a prayer for me. My friends, if you've never tried that, there is nothing that puts life into you more than seeing God answer. A, the God of the universe heard my prayer and answered me. He, he heard me and he answered me. We cannot sit there and drink a cup of poison and expect to feel the life and the love and the joy and the hope that Jesus promises. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. If you went to somebody's hospital bed, and you, those of you who are educated in the medical world, and you looked at the stuff that they're putting in IV, you're like, man, this stuff's poison. What are they doing? No wonder they're not getting better. Right? Makes perfect sense medically. Spiritually, it's the same, my friends. Spiritually, it's the same. What's your content?
Which, which, this may be old school for some of you. What, what channels have you liked and subscribed to? What's in your algorithm? I think for a lot of people, the reason why they don't have a walk with God is because of their algorithm really tells on them. Your algorithm knows you. God knows you better than your algorithm knows you. But your algorithm does know you to a degree. It's like, man, I'm having a really hard time connecting with God. Let me, let's look at your, let's look at what is suggested for you in your playlist on whatever social platform you're into. That might be a reason why. Might be a reason why. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing. Admonishing simply means to put in mind or to caution or reprove, to gently admonish or to warn. Realize that when we are singing all together as a group, we're hearing the words, but we're teaching one another. I belong to the Lord. Oh, I am not my own. You're listening to us sing that, which is why we had the group up here so you can look at more people singing to you. And we're singing to all the one another. What are we doing? We're gently rebuking, admonishing, and teaching one another. It's biblical. It's healthy. Man, is it good. It's not, look, very prayerfully, occasionally, once in a while, whenever, if God really works, you can go up, look, brother, sister, I'm just, I've been really praying about this. And I'll, we, we need to be cautious about trying to individually micromanage somebody else's Christian life. But a healthy way to do that is for us just to come together and sing good songs that teach and admonish. We're almost done. Look, it says singing, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Psalms from the Psalms or from the book of Psalms, right? Psalms is the Hebrew word for song, right? But we can say we sing the Psalms. Hymns, a sacred song of celebration. That's what that means. Spiritual songs, songs of the spirit. Okay, we'll just say life-giving spirit of God. They agree with God's word, speaking to our hearts. And then it says this, and this is the last piece. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. That part, singing with grace. Singing with grace in your hearts. What does that mean? Singing with grace in your hearts. We know what singing is. But what is the grace part? Singing with grace. Singing with grace in your hearts. So it's not saying sing with just your mouth or sing with just your talent or skill, right? And if you have it, then you should. Praise God for that. What does it mean to sing with grace in your hearts to the Lord? Guys, this is the idea and we're almost done. So hang on for about five minutes, okay? We good? We settled? Nobody has to go potty? We good? All right, good, all right. What is grace? What does it mean to sing with grace? Well, we have to know what grace means. What is grace? If you look up the word grace, it means several things. It means graciousness. So God's graciousness. He's not giving us what we deserve, right? He's gracious. It means that specifically means the divine influence on the heart and its reflection in the life. What does that mean? It means that if I'm singing, listen, if I'm singing with grace in my heart, it means that the word of God, the biblical songs that we're singing is speaking to my heart. The heart is involved. 
while I'm, I, there was a moment, and this is just me personally. I'm not suggesting this is the way it should be for everybody. There was a moment when we as a group were up here singing a moment ago. There was one part of the line, and man, it's just, oh, man, that's good. God is so good. And I almost started like a little tear, and like I had to kind of let them sing just for a moment. I'm, listen, it is not biblical to sing worship songs that you can't understand. Can I say that again? It is not biblical worship to sing songs that you cannot understand. That's not worship. Why? How is God's grace working in your heart? How is he influencing your heart? He isn't. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom. Teach, how are we teaching and admonishing one another if we don't understand what we're singing? Pastor, why do you choose the songs you sing? This is one of the biggest reasons. We have, we have, how many of you know one language? No, everybody knows one language. How many of you know two languages? Raise your hand up. How many of you know three? Put your hand up. So a bunch of people raise their hands for two, more than half the crowd. You say, well, why don't we sing some of the really old hymns that have really complicated poetic language? This is why. Amen. Amen. Now there are some that we do sing and we take the time to explain so that we can sing with the understanding so that we can sing with grace in our hearts so that we can read the words they enter into our brain they go into our heart we can allow those words and the melody and the singing and the togetherness of that moment to speak to our heart and then the last piece we return it as unto the Lord in worship because it's not for us is for him. And if I'm not singing with the understanding, it's not really for him. Let me venture out a little on a ledge here that I'm okay to go out on. There are some people that seem to think that they need to sing a bunch of songs that nobody understands and it's for the Lord. But if nobody understands it, it's not for him, it's for you. Or it's for them. Well, somebody's going to be really critical of me if I don't sing these exact songs. Who are we supposed to worship again? Galatians 1 and verse number 10. If I begin to serve, if I'm serving God but I'm seeking to please men, I'm no longer the servant of Christ. My friends, is for him. Unto the Lord. Okay? Last, last piece and we're done. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Do, there are some people, and, I, and I've been there in my Christian life before as well, and I'm not trying to say I've always got this perfect. There are some times where I know the song well enough that I intentionally kind of detach my brain from my heart. Why? <clears throat> because if we're honest, good Christian songs are powerful. They really can change you. They can help in that process of changing you from a person that occasionally encounters poison, poisonous air out on the street, and occasionally when you're flipping channels and you occasionally say, oh yeah, that's now what it is, to someone who, and now it's like, man, I'm breathing oxygen all the time. It can help you in that process. I'm not a poison guy. I'm an oxygen guy. Yeah. 
But if we're not careful, because we know we're singing songs that can change us and help us grow, and they're gently rebuking us, that's the admonishing part, right? The songs can do that. I can detach my brain. I can detach my brain from those lyrics. I don't want, I don't want, hey, I don't want to think about it. Why is that? Do you want to worship him or not? Do you want to worship him or not? Or is it all for you? One author said this. We'll leave with this statement. Anything in the world that successfully competes with our love for God is an idol. Oftentimes, if I'm not willing to really worship him, I'm not really willing to allow the word of God and the worship of God and songs and hymns and spiritual songs to change me is because I'm worshiping something else. It could be pleasure. It could be my own plan. Honestly, most of the times it's ourselves. There's something I love more than him. So I'm not going to allow him to use me. And he's not going to change me for me to return praise back to him. Because I've dedicated myself for something else. Everybody bow your heads, please, and close your eyes.